Hello and welcome to the Players Podcast Australia. My name is Jeremy Sexton. I will be one of your hosts for this episode. And this episode, we had a really, really good chat with Daryl George. Daryl George plays or has played for Melbourne Aces for a number of years now in the ABL. Uh, we had a chat with him in regards to that, what it's like obviously being in Melbourne throughout the whole of lockdown, what his life's been like, what it's looking like coming now into the ABL season. And then we also obviously talked about his time with the Tampa Bay Rays in Major League Baseball uh, throughout the early 2000s uh, and all of that kind of stuff as well. And also his time playing in independent ball in Japan. So that was pretty interesting as well. So we think you guys are really going to enjoy our chat with Daryl George. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on however you listen to it, whatever platform that is. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, download the episodes, make sure you've got them all there. Uh, Tell your friends and you could also give us a little follow or a little uh, like on Facebook or Instagram. It's at Players Podcast Australia. Uh, at Players Podcast Australia on Instagram and search Players Podcast Australia on Facebook. We hope you guys enjoy our little chat, our little powwow with the absolute legend, Daryl George. All right, we're back. Hey, welcome to the Players Podcast Australia. My name is Jeremy Sexton. Mick Gain is there. Hey, Mick, what's going on? Jeremy, how's it going, mate? Yeah, thanks for your monotonal response there. I really Mate, appreciate this is, that. This is two days in a row I've had to put up with you. And, don't you uh, don't give too much as far as infliction or happiness or anything away. Just sit no, there I'll, like a drone, you I'll douchebag. Make, I'll make sure that I don't. Give <clears throat> awesome. Well, we are, we are that shit at uh, uh, introducing our guests that we are actually going to ask him to do it himself. So, ladies and gentlemen, who have we got on the podcast? Hey, who's there? G'day, guys. It's uh, Daryl George here from uh, the Melbourne Aces. So, that's that's my intro. That's the best yeah. I've got. <laughs> no, I like it, man. That's it. It is what it is. You're Daryl George. You are a man with two first names. I bet you haven't heard that horrible joke before. No, that's the first one. That's the first name. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> so, what's going on, man? You're down in Melbourne. You are just coming out of lockdown. How's life? How's life down there? Oh, it's vibrant. It is vibrant. Um, gone are the days of three people being seen alive on the streets, um, and nothing but delivery drivers and uh, Uber Eats scooters. It's it's uh, it's picked up a fair bit. There's a lot of foot traffic. People are out and about at the bars um, and whatnot. But it's still pretty. It's still a bit of a shambles. Um, it's not uh, free reign just yet. Everyone, you have to have a lot of bookings and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah we're definitely, we've definitely turned the corner and um, yeah, thankfully. So hopefully just in time for summer, I reckon. Fingers crossed. I'm just, I'm just giving you the warning, bro. This whole, uh, as much as I am saying it needs to be done, but this whole check-in thing you're about, this whole world of checking in and QR codes that you're about to encounter is really fucking annoying. But it, it has to be done. So it is what it is. How long were you guys in lockdown for? You guys were in lockdown for ages, hey? Yeah, I think it was like five years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly have no fucking idea. I can't remember uh, pre-down Melbourne. Um, I think I, I don't even know what month it was exactly, but I'd say it'd be six months, roughly. I think that's a good guess. Yeah. Um, and it was like hardcore restrictions for about three months, I think. Two to three months, I'm pretty sure. Hi, that's you lose madness. Track you lose track of time, man. I have no idea. Like, so whereabouts are you? Hey? Whereabouts are you in Melbourne? I'm just I'm just in um, St Kilda East. So I was renting an apartment with Sam Street, um, right around the corner from, um, oh, like, I guess we were living at the SB for a bit, but and we were, we would visit our apartment, but it's right around the corner <laughs> from this little bar. It's called the SB. Like, yeah, hotel. You might have heard of it. I've um, heard of the SB. Believe it or not. Yeah, it, it, look, if you if you follow me on any social media, you might you may have, like. <laughs> have a hint of what I'm talking about but um basically we were living there for a bit and that was during the first lockdown and it was far out man it's like being in a shoebox um oh you were actually living there I thought you guys were just pissheads being there all the time but you're actually living there yeah, yeah I thought you were joking right the corner. We right <laughs> the corner. okay so, like, okay 
yeah there's no there's no way we'd be making that mission every every week or three four times yeah. just just figured we'd like oh, no, let's go down to local so yeah um unfortunately we just we moved uh one suburb over um into kind of like a slightly nicer area less backpackers less uh hostels around us yeah and more families which has been really good so we're just in st kilby's at the moment um and it's it's awesome. We upgraded to a house, so we got a backyard. Um, fire yeah, pit. nice. But yeah, so lockdown wasn't that bad. We were able to like get some um, get some fire pit action going and just yeah. kick out the back and have a couple of barbies. So guys, been living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Look, we're lucky. We're very lucky. Couldn't, couldn't imagine being in that apartment still. I think we would have lost our minds. But absolutely. Yeah, of course. How's um? How was it through the whole of like the lockdown thing in regards to like baseball and stuff like that, like training and like what 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 did your sort of routine and your schedule go like look like? Considering the fact that everyone is locked down. Yeah, so there was zero training uh, whatsoever, and then I guess when we were in the apartment, we couldn't obviously we didn't have a home gym. Um, we had a dumbbell and a kettlebell, and like. It was that, and you were allowed to exercise for an hour a day, or out. Of, you're allowed outside your house for an hour a day. So it was that. Um, but I mean, for a while there, it was pretty sedentary, and I, I was pretty busy with work. So um, and and so was Streety. So um, I guess training took a, a bit of a backseat. But once we moved to this um, this lovely lovely house and and had nothing to do with ourselves, we had a garage, so we kitted it out fully with a bunch of. Um, a bunch of gym equipment so we we're very lucky we had access to um it's called the dais it's like uh the fund from the ais for, for the baseball the national team yeah um, so both of us being on the roster and, and being at the premier 12 um we got a little bit of funding and all that just went straight into kidding it out so we actually ended up training like training our tits, our tits off and yeah. Um, yeah really getting after it and um so like i guess it was more so just strength training that was it you know for playing yeah. in the street you know, as long as we didn't get caught, um, yeah, it was all good. So na- none of our neighbours like dogged us, so we're we're all sweet. We managed to we, when we had cross uh, when we had lockdown. I I my me and my housemates do a bunch of CrossFit, and yeah. so we were like, I reckon I trained like. Admittedly, our lockdown wasn't as intense as yours. It was only a couple of months or whatever, but our gyms were shut and all that. I reckon I trained more. I was <laughs> I was like. Huh. I didn't want all my mates to be like, he got fat through lockdown. So I was, I was actually trying to way more. It was good. So, but yeah, that's cool. No, yeah. Don't, don't judge me. Don't, yeah. He was don't. doing that too, man. He changed, bro. It was weird. It was like satanic rituals, all sorts of voodoo shit. <laughs> you got to drink the, drink the Kool-Aid, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is what it is. Drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> See, I, but so I'm, I'm at the point, all right, we're talking about CrossFit. I'm at the point now where I don't even try to, like I've been doing it for four years. I don't try to convince people. I just go, yeah, I do that. And then they go, oh, that sucks. And I go, yeah, oh, well, you go look at yourself in a mirror, mate. I don't care. <laughs> You're one of the good ones. You're one of the good ones. Uh, no, that's all right. <clears throat> so you were saying um, before, a little bit of social media action. Now, I actually followed you way before we, uh, started doing that uh, was probably about a month ago, two months ago. Mick and I were sh- kicking around the idea, and I said, "Well, who would we have on?" And he said, "This dude, Daryl George." He goes, "You got to follow him on Instagram. He's an absolutely awesome follow." So how good's that? I mean, you've got a little bit of a, a bit of a bit of a rep going. You're you're a bit of a funny bloke. And for those listeners listening, stop what you're doing now, unless you're driving, and pick up your phone uh, and follow. Daryl George on Instagram at Life of Porgy. Who's Porgy? Porgy, isn't it? Is it Porgy? Porgy. Yeah, Porgy. 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 Yeah, yeah, My yeah. apologies. If you're in a car, look, oh, it's all good, man. It's all good. No stress. I'll forgive you. But if you're in a car, just wait till you get to a traffic light, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait. Keep it down low so the cops yeah, don't see Yeah, yeah. Keep it under under the steering wheel. Do what you got to do. Okay. Do what you got to do. But yeah, at Life of Porgy. Um, mate, yeah, it's just, I don't know, a bit of a piss take, really. Um, a lot of people take social media very serious um i probably should um a lot of my mates have the blue tick and i i miss the boat so i guess that's probably why i don't take it <laughs> serious um yeah they were hand, they were, there was a while there when if you played baseball they were handing them out like tic tacs so bloody ryan dale jared dale um oh, fuck, a couple of the other boys they've all got these blue ticks mate but they don't they fucking do nothing with it so <laughs> it's a damn shame it's a damn shame um, really 
Yeah, it's, it is. It really is. And hopefully, hopefully he watches this and he appreciates the call out because, yeah, Steffi Gamer, mate, it's fucking, it's fucking. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's good, it's good man. I, I guess, uh, personal favorite, I love using social media to take the, like the, you know, that shit photo that everyone gets every now and then. Like, yeah. The pictures, it's easy because, like, as soon as they throw the ball, they're all like mangled. They look like they're about to munt. And um, <laughs> basically, I just screenshot that and I was doing my heads. So if you love that sort of content, fucking get around it. <laughs> That's good. I like it. You, you hit me right in the feels there when you were like, it's just a piss take. If you literally go to my Instagram right now, at JAJ55, my fucking bio says, this is all just a piss take. <laughs> it's, it's true. Like, that's what it's all about. J-A-J-E. I think you follow me, actually. Be awkward if you weren't or you had unfollowed me. That would be weird. No, no, yeah, I got you. I got you. I was like, yeah. This is all just a piss take. All my captions are like, my new album's dropping soon. Check out my kid's book. Just yeah. shit that shouldn't be a thing. But it's fun. And you're right. It is what it is. See a bit oh, yeah. of swing action there. A bit of my, uh, bit of my nice right-handed swing there. Just a country baseball, you know, is what it is. Clean. Clean. <clears throat> Great content. Great content. Yeah, Go yeah, that's it. Get around, get, around this, get around this page as well, guys. Get around it. If you, yeah. I don't know if you can see it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Give him yeah. a five. Poor Mick, poor Mick. He's just like, how do I even add to this? No, I I can't. I can't even. I can't even because I'm just my social media is just fucking brutal. It's all you do is post. uh, I just play. I just play. I just play golf. So I mean, and that's all pictures do. That's all pictures do anyway. So and we're not good for anything else. So you were messaging me last weekend. All your Instagram said was. uh, that you were at distilleries and really nice bars, and then you're messaging with your beautiful girlfriend, and you were messaging me about the podcast. And that's because like, you kept blowing me up about the podcast. So I was like, "Oh, I better reply. It must be important." <laughs> I was like, "Bro, stop right now. Go and hang out with your girlfriend. You yeah, don't need to talk about this shitty podcast. It's fine. It's fine." Yeah, well, there we go. Probably. We need to talk about we need to talk about our guests right now because we've we've got a dude here um, just that has been around and played some in some pretty cool places um yeah well you've <laughs> we can't go into nights at the ESPY. um <clears throat> we can't do that but so like you've been in the league in the abl now since 2011 correct yeah yeah, yeah. pretty awesome um i was, I was in i was in grade 11 just so <laughs> throw that out there so that's that a fun, that's a fun fact <laughs> not that old <laughs> you're you're two years younger than me and I'm like, how old is this guy? I was looking at all the stuff that you've done. And I was like, how old is this guy? He's got to be mid-30s. And he's mixed like, no, he's 27. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what have I done? Uh, but anyway. <laughs> but anyways, So you've signed with the Rays. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. 2011. Is that right? Uh, 2010. 2010. 2010. Yeah, so you would have been a baby. How old were you then? I was 17. Um, and I was in year 12 at the time. So um the idea was to finish school and then head over right right at the end of that year. So, um, well, this is really cool because we had we had a couple of guys on early that had gone through the whole college process and then um, and then obviously we spoke to Josh Spence as well and he talked about drafting and then how he turned turned down offers and I was like, man, I would pay someone to be drafted. But uh, so it's interesting to hear that other side of that and that decision. I mean, it is what it is that decision making process. Like for you, was it just like okay? they're obviously interested let's go with that or was it no you know uh, what was the decision making process like for you uh, i guess I, I think it was just pretty simple yeah. i just knew i wanted to go pro and then and that was as easy as that but um I, I i like looked into the whole college process but i didn't come from a baseball family and um and we didn't really know much about the game in general in terms of like the opportunities out there and really didn't have any friends that had gone through pro ball or anything like that very much it just kind of like had to just kind of wing the whole process um and so basically didn't really put the feelers out for college but then when some pro teams came knocking i think it was i think it was like 17 had a couple teams i think it was the phillies um the yankees and the rays and maybe a couple others that were just um like expressing interest and and basically just went with the rays because they had such a good reputation of um having a strong farm system developing a lot of players and just um, just figured that that would be the best thing for me and didn't want to sign with the Yankees because obviously they have a shitload of money. They buy players in at the top. And so that chance for progression probably wouldn't be there. 
yeah so like that was that was pretty much it so like when, when it all kind of happened i think it was like it's one of those schoolboys tournaments at the time um that's when the offer came in and i was actually i actually couldn't throw at the time I'd, I'd cook my arm because i'd pitched too much in club ball i'd had a really big year in club ball and pitched really well but they used and abused me and um i had like bone marrow edema which is like basically a stress reaction and a bunch of fluid so the bone gets because there's so much torque and it's twisting um before it gets to a stress fracture there's a stress reaction and so the bone marrow fills up with with i guess fluid and so that was kind of what was happening to me at the time so i had to take like six months off throwing and i wow. still, still fluked it and signed and got a half decent contract with the rays and they were still kind of keen on me to be a pitcher. They were like, you know, make up your mind, be a two-way guy right now. But then when you come over, it's one or the other. Um, and my arm strength still hadn't really picked up post-injury. So it was kind of – and I wanted to be on the field all the time, be, be yeah. the action. So um, chose to be a hitter. Like, I think – and on to be so stupid, but I was like, oh, pitching's pretty easy. Like, I found it <laughs> a lot easier than hitting. So I went with – the fucking harder out. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had to just pitch because like I might have a chance. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the things, yeah, young and dumb, you know, the, the decisions we make sometimes. You turned down an opportunity to work one in every five days Yep. for working every day. I know, I know. So, Who are you? I just loved being able to like run around and, nah. hit and dive and get dirty, I think. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. If I could do it again, maybe I'd just to see what would happen, I'd go the other route. But no, it sounds like it sounds like the smart option, man. Especially if your arm, you know, you're coming off. I've never heard of bone marrow edema. That's pretty cool. I'll have to have a look at that after this. And yeah, yeah so that's stress, stress reaction. It's literally that's just the um, the funky name for it. So yeah, wow. Know. And so you, so you were there. You were there for quite a while, like with with them for three for three years, four years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, four seasons played, uh, five years contracted with them. So 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14. Um, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And so I think at the end of 14, I got released. I had a torn ligament in my right wrist. And they they basically, I got surgery. And then after that, they said, you know, good luck, all the best. Um, yeah. They made some pretty big trades. There's some guys that they got above me. Um, Willie Adamas. So in the, in the team that I was playing on at the exact same level, they traded in Willie Adamas, Jake Bauer, um, Dustin Williams, who's a big prospect. I don't know if he's still kicking around, but he's probably double A triple guy. He probably had a sniff of the bigs. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't kept tabs on him though, so I'm not sure. But And then Vasquez, another big leaguer. So there's three big leaguers. And then I think another guy came in. So literally... I had no shot. Um, <laughs> they all made the all-star team that year. And I, I was tracking, I think I was hitting 330, 340 at the time. I was tracking really well to, to, to make the Midwest League all-star team. But my, my injury, like my wrist started to really bark and then just my numbers dipped. And I missed out. So I missed the boat. And then, um, yeah, just really unlucky timing. Because if I was with another team, I probably probably would have hung around for another couple of years. But there was just, there was no opportunity with the Rays once they once they traded those balls in what was the what was it like there being with the rays at that time were they still as like obviously now i mean we were literally just talking uh to who we're talking to mitch curtis made curtis made sorry for some reason i had mitch mitch evans in my head so um we're talking to curtis made how bad am i curtis is yeah. gonna hear that and yeah, i actually he's... really enjoyed talking to curtis i was thinking about the fucking rays man fuck oh um we were just talking to Curtis Mead and he, he went to the, the Rays as well from the Phillies. Um, and obviously they've got a pretty big um, reputation for being numbers-based and, and analytics-based. Were they were, Back then, though, was that still – was that the building blocks for that? Did you get a lot of that then or was it just sort of run-of-the-mill stuff? Yeah, it was like, – there probably was a lot of that in their decision-making, but they definitely didn't teach it. Um, I'm sure it's a little bit different now and things have changed. Um, I'm actually pretty sure it has. Um, but back then it was very, they were very pretty old school, I think in a lot of their ways, but they just drafted a lot of guys and they, they did such a good job with their pitching that they would train guys up um, and offload them. So they, what I didn't realise is that a lot of their big leagues are actually traded in. So they trade in a lot of talent. So their farm system stacked, but it's not always guys that they've drafted or signed. It's often yeah, right. like Curtis... Uh, your prime example of getting a guy who they think is maybe a little bit underrated 
but has like a lot of potential, a lot of upside. And they get him, they get him early, give him a lot of opportunity, and then they end up. A lot of them end up having successful careers and and having long careers. So that's their strategy. So it's very much economics based, and that's how they they do a lot of their trading. They trade their big leaguers or their fringe big leaguers or, or whoever or their big name guys, and they get in a bunch of um, <clears throat> like potential undervalued prospects, and and then pump them up. And then generally, more times than not, they hit more than they miss. So. Um, that's something that I saw firsthand a lot of the time. I saw a lot of guys get traded in that were decent prospects. Like um, Chris Archer was a guy they got from the Cubs. So that's one, that's one guy they traded in. So like guys like that. So I think it's um, very interesting, but they didn't talk. They don't talk to as players. They never spoke to us about that sort of stuff or the analytics side, but that was pre analytics baseball. Anyway, I think it's, it's only probably caught on in the last three or four years. Yeah. Taken off, really taken off. It was interesting. One thing that uh, Mick brought up in that in that conversation with Curtis was um, player comps. Now, I I'm I'm a novice when it comes to all this, guys. You guys are all pros and stuff, but I didn't know that that was a thing. So that that's a that's a common thing. And basically, what I'm asking is, was that back then player comparisons and stuff like that? Would they tell you who they sort of see you to grow into, or or something like or similar to? Is that not really? Uh, no, I never heard anything like that. So yeah, they're very much. Um... I guess they're, they're it's just different, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, so like, I was never really a big prospect. So Curtis is definitely when you get traded into an organization, they they clearly think highly of you because they, they've given something up to get you, and they've seen something, so they've actively gone out to get you. Um, I was I was never really tagged, had the prospect tagline. I had to like earn a spot every year, and and if I didn't play very well from the get go, I wouldn't play. Fortunately, I was a pretty, I was a half decent bloke. So the managers liked me and I worked my butt off and then I played really well. So I would, I would always um, end up in the lineup somehow, but I never, <clears throat> when it would come to the coaching side and all that sort of stuff and the rovers and the instructors and the farm directors taking extra time to sit you down and be like, Hey, this is where we see you, blah, blah, blah. I never really got that chat. My, my talk was always at the start of the year was, Hey, I know we say this to you every year, but, you're going to have to earn your spot. So-and-so is going to have to have a day off and that's going to be your opportunity. And I was like, fucking every year I was pissed off and I'd have a chip on my shoulder and I'd have to go out there and, you know, either wait for an injury or just ball out. So it was one or the other. Yeah, right. I, I think I remember actually saying you went to Tropicana for you won, was it a player of the year award? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my... <laughs> My second last year, I got the um, I was a, had a got, made the All Star team in the Penn League and was the MVP for the Rays team there. Um, I played the whole year at shortstop. Um, I even jumped on the bump and I touched ninety two, so it was like it was pretty pretty like crazy. And that was back before everyone was throwing hundred, so I was kind of like, yeah, you know, that's all right. But it was also after two weeks of playing shortstop every day, so I was kind of like pretty happy with that. I would kill to touch ninety two right now. <laughs> I would I mean <laughs> but um yeah so like that was that was a big year and then the next year um or well, that off season I, I hit my wrist playing in the ABL and then literally I was I was out of the system within a year you know the following the following off season so it was pretty cutthroat um and it probably goes to show where I sat in terms of the, the prospect rankings at the time and, and all that sort of stuff so did you ever consider after the Rays released you did you consider trying to find another team or you were just ready to come home at that point no, I had a lot in the tank. So I was I was pretty surprised. And I think a lot of people were at the time, especially in Melbourne, like that I'd gotten released. Um, but it just, you know, it's it is what it is. It's luck of the draw half the time. Um, and like, yeah, I was I just remember like being so taken off guard by it and just being like, what the like what the fuck is going on right now? And and then I had to like go to uni for six months and pretend I was like a good student. And I was just, oh, mate, I was furious. And um, I was really lucky. I, I had uh, Damien Shanahan, who's the performance, high performance manager in Victoria. And he, luckily, he was the guy that was around and had a lot of time and his body was, he's, he's getting on now, so he's, <clears throat> he can't back it up like he used to. But he threw me BP every day for about two months straight, three months straight, every single day. We didn't miss a day. And um, I was like that hungry. We changed my swing completely. So um, I was never a power guy or never really had much pop, but um, 
could just manage to get hits here and there and, and grind away at our bats. But we, we changed the, the whole approach, the way I hit. Similar to like how Jose Batista did, Turner did, a lot of guys that started using the, I guess, we referred to it at the time as the truth, but like... Um, Flat barrel. Yeah, like getting, staying through the zone, but getting the swing started before it, as opposed to just being static and then pushing or pulling in order to to get to get to get it going. So we kind of just really worked on the mechanics and mate, it, things like just started taking off. We started like having rounds of BP, where, you know, say it's rounds of six, it'd be like a, ba- a bad round would be three home runs. It would be a bad round, and and it was like literally we'd hit for an hour and it'd be an hour of that. It'd be like probably 50 to 60% of the balls were just trying to leave the yard and um, did that. And then fortunately got an opportunity. So as you're saying, like looking for somewhere to play and I was had indie ball offers, knew that if I went to indie ball, that that would probably be the end of my career anyway um, into, for a hitter. So I'd probably have to get on the juice or do something crazy in order to hit 20, 30 home runs and get signed. And I wasn't willing to do that. I didn't want to jeopardize my personal integrity um, at the time. I know a lot of guys kind of go that route because it's big numbers. You can make a lot mm. of money. And so it's kind of a, if you're willing to do absolutely anything to make it, you can. Yeah. it's. A, I think it is a bit crazy because you see um, like even Robinson Cano just got done the other day, but um, you yeah. see younger guys, I feel like in the minors and, you know, they get on the gear and then all, of a, sudden, all of a sudden it's like, they're in the big leagues and they got big contract and the, it's just a slap on the wrist. It's like, what's the first, is it the first one's like 60 games or first one's 80 games, something? They don't care. They really don't care. People forget really quick. Um, fire out. There was a guy who played for Adelaide. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but he got popped. Um, the demerit or something like that. He was with the Rangers at the time, second baseman. Oh yeah. For Adelaide, for the Adelaide bite. Um <clears throat> You know, he'd had a couple of years of like ridiculous numbers, really good power numbers. And he's kind of a small guy or like a yeah, slender, slender guy. Gets popped for, for PEDs um, and then misses, you know, your 60-odd games or whatever. Comes back and gets traded to Detroit and then he's in the big leagues, you know, because he's, he's, already, he's already strong. He's already got the number. Like he's, <laughs> he's done the work. He's obviously, you know, was it ethical? Probably not, but... Um, mate, he he did it, and people will forget because it's such a the numbers are so big in this game that it's like people forget. It's a lot of money. A lot of people probably forgot Cano got popped for steroids a couple the years first ago. time. Yeah, yeah the first I mean, time. You only have to look at. I feel like D Gordon. You know, he was a very slim guy, and then he has that unreal year and gets paid a massive amount of money, gets that huge contract, and then the next year he gets. He gets popped, so that's just yeah, it's a crazy <laughs> it's, example. Yeah, it is, it is. And then you know, like oh, like the conspiracy theories. Once you got a lot of money, you probably probably have access to better stuff that you know is ahead of ahead of the game in terms of getting traced and, and getting picked up. Have you seen that um Rod that 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 documentary by the guy that does Cocaine Cowboys? Have you seen that? I is think that- so. Yeah, the guy that they talk about. Um, a-Rod and... A-Rod and Manny and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Screwball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, geez, I'm surprised he didn't get killed, you know? Oh, my God. It's crazy. But you're right, though. I think I think you're right, too. You know, all the blood doping stuff, once you get better money, I reckon there's more opportunity for them, for sure. Absolutely. But, yeah. Definitely plausible. 100% plausible. But, you know, if you can't prove it, it's, it's not a thing. Ah, it's crazy, man. It's going to be the age-old yeah. question. People are always going to say, like, in all sorts of sports, the Olympics, I mean, the Olympics has itself unfortunately has a has a really dirty sort of background with it and, and and a history of covering up and things like that so you know it's all it's through all sports and uh, it's yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one in the next couple of years or 20 years or however long or forever maybe who knows yeah but, um time will tell man time will tell but yeah i, I never never got around it so I, like i guess going back to what we were saying is, is that um like i got lucky and i think deeb's um, John Deeble, who's the head coach of the Aussie team at the time, <clears throat> and he's, I think he's a scout with the Dodgers at the moment. Um, like a, um, and he's been kicking around. He's with the Red Sox back then. But um, he, remember him, him and a couple other guys were really pulling for me to try and get me a gig over in Japan. And at the time, uh, it was Mitch Denning. 
got yep. signed by the Yakult Swallows. So he got signed by an MVP team. He was playing over there at the time in Japan, um, which meant that the team that he was playing for ha- had a had a spot open up. And they, he'd obviously had a really good couple of years and they were like, we want another Australian hitter. We need a guy. You know, we need a guy that's going to hit home runs and all this stuff. And I'd never been really a home run hitter, but I was like, sure, I'll be whoever you want me to be. They called and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll be a slugger, whatever. Just get me, just get me the fuck out of uni. And um, <laughs> and so next thing you know, I'm over there and, and playing in Nagata and like in the Japanese indie ball. And so that was kind of, yeah, a door that doesn't open for a lot of guys. But just, I think if I wasn't putting in as much effort training and practicing and doing so in front of the right people, I don't think that opportunity would ever have happened for me. Mick, your uncle actually played Japanese indie ball, didn't he? Yeah, he played Industrial for, League? Uh, yeah, for Sega C- Sammy. Sega Sammy, yeah. Okay. There you go. That's a big there you go. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So what was that like, man? Like, obviously, you're the... And congratulations, too. You're the first dude that's been on the podcast that is actually, has actually played in Japan. So a big round of applause uh, for Daryl George. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what was it like, man? Tell, tell, us, tell us how was that for an adjustment going from, obviously, the minor leagues and then over to over to that, over to the Japanese league? It was a different grind. Like, um, like it was challenging, but in, in very different ways. So um, you treated like a rock star, but at the same time, like, just it's just a totally different grind culturally. Um, it's not so much at the field where it's hard and backing it up every day. There's still that, but the, the, the real challenge in Japan is kind of being out on your own and being in a country where nobody speaks English because um, they don't give a shit about um, the outside world. They're very much in their bubble and um, they're doing things the Japanese way. And so in that regard, it's very, very challenging and you have to learn to let go of a lot of things that you can't control because if you did, you'd, you'd see a million things that could be done better if they just tweaked it this way, but it's simply done because they're very much traditionalist. And it's like the, the quote is like, they will tell you just like, this is the Japanese way. And that's it. And so you just, okay, like you just have to say, yeah, sure, whatever, laugh about it and then just get on with it. Um, I was very lucky. I had a couple of the Aussies there. Uh, David Can- Candlis was there. Um, so yeah, Candy was there and uh, fuck, Stephen Chambers was there. So Chambo oh. and Candy. So really lucky. And um, they kind of like were like my, they basically co-parented me when I first got there. And just were like, yeah, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And um, I, <clears throat> I was really lucky. I went in there very grateful for the opportunity. I wasn't expecting anything. I think a lot of guys in pro ball start to get a bit of an ego or this thing starts to develop where it's like, oh, I should be playing at this next level. You know, I should be there. I should be that. There's certain like expectations that start to creep in. Um, but I very much had been humbled by getting released and kind of, um, did a lot of that inner work, especially when I was in Japan. So I was just happy all the time. I was just, that's all I gave a shit about. So for me, it was actually pretty easy um, being able to go and do the work and uh, like charge into all these challenges, like going to the grocery store, not knowing what the fuck, like <laughs> pork or, you know, having to go in there and like move at the butcher because you want some beef or make, you know, cluck like a chicken because you want chicken. Like, <laughs> I had no idea. And like, so basically play charades. I'm playing charades with people in the grocery store just because I'm, I want to fucking have dinner. Um, and so all that stuff, but it was like funny for me. So <clears throat> I actually really enjoyed it. If you ask some other boys, they'll tell you it's hard, it's tough, it's whatever. But I think very, it's very much up to, dictated by um, how you handle it and your own perception of things. And so I just made the whole thing a working holiday. Um, yeah. And I'm better. So that's been my mantra ever since. Basically. It is what you make it, hey. And yeah. and you said a name there that I think I used to play uh, just club ball at Surface Paradise with Steve Chambers, yeah. and he is probably one of the coolest cats you will ever meet. Oh, I love that dude. I would love to get him on the pod because I reckon he just you know like he's, he's just lived. a cool cat. That guy has lived. Oh my oh, goodness, dude. When oh but goodness. like when he was coming up, he well when I played with him as a junior, right? Now this is no disrespect to Steve. Like he was very very like he was good and he was very sound, but he didn't make a lot of the teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he just started just crushing. He was playing for Australia and he was playing pro mm-hmm. and all of that. And it was like you know what? Like you know when you see those guys come up and then it's like all of a sudden they're doing well and you 
and you're like, oh yeah, cool. And you're like, that's a bit fucking random. But you're like, with Steve, you're like, oh, that is so good because that guy fucking deserves it. Like yeah, he's just fine. a cool cat. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. So anyway, sorry. Just got to start with my Steve Chambers love, but no, love Stevie Chambers yeah, is living. Yeah, that is. He just had a kid. Uh, him and Yuki, I think they're living. Yeah, like, Yuki. Yeah, I see. Man. I see him on his Instagram. Follow at Steve Chambers on Instagram <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> he's a cool cat. So he'll many like, plugs. JJ loves like, a good plug. He'll be like, "What? I got like one follower. What the fuck? Why is this a thing?" Oh, Players Podcast Australia. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you, you had you had the one year there in Japan. Is that right? Just the one? Is that? So yeah. Oh, I, you had a couple. Yeah, yeah. I ended up having um, three seasons over there. So I went went over to Nagata and kind of introduced myself, played half a season, came back in the ABL and lit it up for the first time properly um, because I wasn't ever like, I'd stopped kind of like absolutely crushing myself to get better for pro ball. I just said, well, I'm, I've got, I'm not going to the big leagues. So I'm not, this is the big leagues now. So I'm, I'm going to play really well here. Otherwise, I'm not going to get another opportunity somewhere else. And that's the year, just to interrupt, sorry about, sorry about my poor... Um worked there before Mick Mick fed me that information. It was clearly incorrect. But the year that you, <laughs> the year that you came back and lit it up was if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, 2017. Because I'm looking at your your stat line here and it is it is outrageous. That's the year yeah, that you started. That's when I came back from the NPB. Um, yeah. Well I think it was the first time I'd actually I think I hit I actually hit over 250 maybe I think I had a bunch of doubles because we'd do yeah. the swing um, I think I had like a bunch of doubles, like a, a shit ton. And you had eight, so you had eight doubles, eleven home runs, one triple. Out of boy, thirty RBIs, three hit, three twenty seven for the year, nine fifty seven OPS. So and but and that like obviously the power side of things just through the roof. You know what I mean? For that's a that's a massive career high um, yeah, for you. No, and it's no PEDs. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No, no, but it's good. Like that's yeah. So, so you were saying there that you just came back and proper lit it up, really, didn't you? Something just clicked, and I just decided I was just going to have as much fun as I could. And Lord and behold, that's how I play as a kid. I know everyone has different styles, but it's very much in my nature to just kind of um, enjoy myself. And if I'm not, if I'm smiling, that's usually a bad thing for the opposition. So. Um, I literally just have as much fun as I can and then yeah good things happen and that was very much that year I think there was it, it was just a joke like the whole thing was a joke I think I went to Perth and I, I think I hit like five bombs in the series and like <laughs> like I was I was just like they were wow. playing random walkout songs and they were playing like I'm a Barbie girl and this and that like they started playing they started doing so they would play a song and like I would just sing along and whistle and be like, fuck yeah, this is sick. As I was walking up to the plate, <laughs> they started playing karaoke for me. So they started like putting on different songs and I was just loving it. Uh, and, and like, and then I'd just go hit a bomb and then we'd do the next thing. <laughs> next that, there'd be a new song and I would just be like singing that, singing along. And, and that's kind of, that just really reaffirmed for me that um, that was just my style. And I think a lot of people are afraid to have fun and there's this big, um, a lot of guys have to be very serious when they play, but, and I used to, I used to think like I had to be like angry or, you know, if, if I wasn't having fun, maybe it just meant I didn't care, but yeah, I let go and then good things happen. I just, you know, let the. So that series you're talking about, there's a four game, it's a four game series here in, in Perth. Yep. It's the end, the very end of the 2018 season. And you did, you hit five bombs in the whole series. The first, the first one, uh, the first game you got a couple of hits right no home runs whatever game two comes out hits a bomb game three comes out hits three bombs uh three well three home runs right there and then the last game you just last game of the series you just finished up with another bomb so yeah. a little then, bit of barbie girl that's that's your jam that's it bro so yeah like the, yeah the giants probably won't play that if we ever play there but no i'll make sure to request we don't play barbie girl. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you play i'll sing it but um <laughs> Yeah, and then like, well, to go on that, they don't. You guys don't probably don't have the um, postseason stuff because I know the ABL they don't recall that. Usually, it's just the regular season. But we went to. I just remember it, it's just such a big moment for me because it just things just clicked and um, and then went to went to Brisbane for like a one game winner take all um, final semi final I think and I hit two bombs there so it was it was seven bombs in four games. Wow, that's what it ended up being, and it was like I just remember that moment and. Just, yeah, just something just clicked and it was all just 
just easy. The game just became a lot slower and, and you know, I, yeah, like it's easy to be like, oh, fuck, if I had just done that a couple of years ago, imagine, imagine what would have happened. But um, I'm glad because for a lot of guys, it doesn't click. And for me, it just did. It was a lot of hard work leading up to that. And then, you know, fortunately now I can just enjoy myself and, and, and let, it, let the good times roll. Essentially. Do, you, do you think that that first year in Japan, because traditionally they're very, um, a different style of pitching. Um, I feel like, especially over in there, they're kind of a little bit backwards. Do you think that that's what helped you in the ABL in the sense that in the States, it's very much, you know, fastball heavy, put away with off speed. And whereas, you know, over there, they throw everything for a strike in any count. Do you think that that is what helped with that next season in the ABL? That's what clicked? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, look, I... I think, yeah, just seeing different pitching style and, like, if you can hit over there, you can pretty much hit anywhere because it's just – they just do stuff that you just wouldn't think about and it's, like, it's just absurd, but you just got to roll with it. So you just got to have such an open mind if you're going to be able to hit successfully over there. Um, and and then you just kind of take that philosophy into the Western side and, I don't know, like, you're less – I guess you just have more feel for it. You have, it's, it's a weird thing, but I just came back to the ABL and – um, I just felt a lot more comfortable at the plate. I knew I could hit off speed. I knew I could hit a fastball. So it didn't. Really, I knew I could cover the plate, cover the zone or my zone. And I, I don't know if it's specifically seen the pitching, but I just remember the BP that we would have every day was like with these. Oh, what I think it was, we would take BP with these. Like, so the fields over there for starters are all dirt. So a lot of them. And our training field was all dirt, the whole thing. And then there's like cherry blossoms around the outfield. So it looks pretty cool. But it's these baseballs that are like 10 years old that have just been hit and rolled around this fucking shitty old dirt. <laughs> it's not like good clay. It's like panic black ash. It's like it's soot. It's soot. So these, you're, hitting, you're hitting these fucking brown and black baseballs. That just look, it's just fucked. And if you're going to hit them and get them out, you have to hit them. You have to drive them as opposed to hitting brand new baseballs and you get backspin and you get a bit of help. Yeah. Uh, so we would literally, when we take out BP, and they're expecting you to hit home runs. If you don't, it's like, oh, you okay? Like, oh my God. So it's like, all right, like you just go there and take, and it's home run derby. And I remember playing with Boss Monaroa one year there and it was literally like, see how many we could hit and see how far we could hit it. And we'd come back and I think we did a trip. I went with, with Chambo, I went to Holland and like, I think that was the first time Debs actually knew who I was because we BP there, he was throwing. I mean, these brand new shiny white baseballs. So firstly, he's throwing them and I'm seeing watermelons because they're <laughs> and then I'm, I'm crushing them because I'm driving the ball properly. But then they're brand new. So you got all that good backspin and I'm like, we were just absolutely nutting balls. And um, that was a big wake up call. So I think that I actually think that that's what it was. I learned how to drive the ball during BP because we're just hitting with, oh, fuck, fuck if I know what they were, but just these shit house <laughs> Just baseballs with like a full layer of dirt, like a whole nother, uh, was, a whole nother skin on it. It was gross. Oh. <laughs> God, that's awesome. That's so good. So like, I mean, coming into this year, I mean, we might, we might wrap it up soon. Because and and there's still so much. So like, I reckon I'd love to have you on again down the track, you know, um, because I think there's still a bunch of shit that I could ask you. And also, I'd actually like to just trade Mick in and have you as my co-host because uh, you sound like way more fun than him. That's just uh, standard. And, and we would we'd have too much fun talking trash on this. Uh, we wouldn't need a guest. Um, but basically. Uh, what, what's what are you thinking this year with with Melbourne? I mean, how was it with uh, having a guy like Delman Young there with you guys recently? What what was that whole whole situation like? Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, it was it was awesome. So it's, he's been he's been over for a couple of years now. He keeps coming back for more because I think um, we treated him really well. We just let him do his own thing. Um, and and this we've got we're building a really good culture at the club. So fortunately, it's like it's a good place to be around for a lot of the boys. Um, and, and so Delman's no exception to that and um, had, a, had, had had a few beers with him. Um, it's always awesome because it's always his shout. Like I never had a <laughs> I was like, nah, 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 nah. I'm like, okay, man, whatever you say. Like I'm not going to fight you for it. <laughs> and um, I mean, yeah, it's awesome. It's you'd, think, 
you'd think the guy with like eighty million in the in the bank could probably afford afford a couple of beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh mate, yeah. It's, it's always top shelf too. Like it's never, it's never, uh, never the crap beer or the crap. How big beer. is Delman Young? Is he just the? Is he a giant or what? He's large. He's a large. One point nine one meters. Yeah, he's, he's right. and he's a vegan now. Um, oh really? No, no judge, no judging there. You know, like everyone eat whatever you need to eat, but um, yeah, you, you do you. He's diehard with that, but he's he's. I, I saw um, some photos of him the other day and him hitting and stuff like that. Apparently, mate, he's in the shape of his life and he's lost dropped a lot of weight, so he's looking fit as a fiddle. And apparently, he's like low to mid nineties off the bump. He's been pitching in pens back home, and they had the gun on him. Apparently, he touched ninety five. <laughs> he's coming over. I think he's in quarantine right now. He's going for pens for us. So if he, <laughs> yeah, if he's in good shape, mate, and. We're up by a fair few or, or down. Oh, I think he might actually pitch this year. That's so, going to be oh. like that's going to be like a total Kenley Jansen move to go from a position player straight yeah. to the bump and throw an absolute cheese. Dude, that is and he can, he can fly, man. Like he saves his, he saves it for when he needs it. But if he hits a chopper at a shortstop, he could probably beat it out if the guy if the guy doesn't attack the ball and sits back thinking it's you know big. <laughs> A big DH, he'll he'll burn you hard. So um, he's like, a, I guess he's a five tool guy, but um, still, and and but yeah, like he's just he's just awesome. Having guys like that around would be great because. And we had Shane Robinson last year, it's another dude with big league, a lot of big league time, and it's just awesome. Just the one percent is like you, you come in the dugout, and it's just as simple as like one. They'll give you one phrase or one one comment. And and that's all you need, and like it'll just you'll be locked in, or you're having a chat on the on the bus, you know, to and from the field, and he'll be like, hey, the way this guy did that was good, but maybe he should have done this. And there's just so many little little things that you pick up and nuances and, and all that sort of stuff, and it's it's freaking awesome, man. Freaking yeah. awesome. So I'm pumped to have him back again, um, and and just chit chat. We were actually just talking today a little bit, just messaging each other about kind of like how we're feeling right now getting ready for the season and it's, it's always a very holistic conversation so it's it was awesome man it was really good so I, yeah i couldn't speak highly more highly of, of dalman he's been such a good dude keeps to himself but um mate he's, he's awesome. awesome that like that bit you're talking about you know just those little those those nuances about being on the bus and they're just talking about like different things and approaches that and then just stories. That would be it for me. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even care if the dude, like, if I was playing on his team or whatever, and he didn't, he didn't hit anything. He didn't do anything. He was just there as an advisor role. Like that for me would just be, like, just tell us, tell us, tell us the stuff, man. Like, I'd love to have a chat with him. I mean, maybe Daryl can put in a good word, Mick. You guys can <laughs> oh, chat man. about that. No, no, nah, nah, like it's all good. <laughs> He'd be like, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to those guys. They, they, sound, they sound push. <laughs> he, just, he's, he just does his own thing, man. Nah, that's cool. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, right. Well, far out, man. I mean, there's there's so much more that I would love to talk about, but I think we're gonna we're gonna keep it short and sweet because then we can bring it back um, down the road and and have a bit of a chat about everything else. Um, Let's play our little word association game. It's a bit lame, but I like to do that kind of shit because I think, you know, you need segments, man. You need shit like that. I think it's important. All right. Um, you ready? Okay. 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 All right. I'm ending it on a sad note, on a lame note, but it is what it is. We're just talking about Delman Young and all the cool stuff, but now we're doing this. Yeah. So you always just... find a way to ruin it, Jeremy. Yeah, well, you know. Hey, at least I at least my voice goes up and down and changes. And yeah, yeah, you're shows right. Good point. So that's yeah. good. Hey, so you ready? So basically just give us a little bit about each one and and tell us what you're thinking. All right. First thing that comes to your head. You ready? Aces. Melbourne. Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne. Yeah, home. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, surfing? Ooh, Ocean Road. Ocean Road. Is that where you go? Yeah, the Great Ocean Road. Yeah. 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 You surf a bit? You said that you... A little bit? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. We're very much Groms, but mate, we have a red hot crack. We go to Urban Surf now because... Um, we had the 40k Reds, but yeah, yeah. We get a few, we've got a few boys, got a little group chat going with about a dozen of us, so a little yeah. crew. Nice. So you guys are all surfers, whereas all these Adelaide Giants guys—they're all—they're all golfy guys. Yeah, I mean, each their own, mate. You know, it's no, no, 
no shade. Bro, Mate, golfers... when you when you look like me, you don't you you don't swim, you sink. <laughs> Bro, golfers you go aren't straight to, You go straight to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> what do you do? Put your nice khakis on, Mick, and go and try and talk to girls. Oh, well, yeah. you're not. You got a beautiful girlfriend, so that's probably a good thing. That's probably why. Your that's why. Over. That's why I play golf. <laughs> um, Japan. Ooh, sushi. Oh, sushi. Mm. It's it, is that is that was that it for you? Was that all you ate? Pretty much that and a steady diet of ramen. Like ramen the, every day, every day, and katsudon. If you don't know what it is, look it up. Like it's the bee's knees. It's unreal. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go down to my Japanese restaurant here in Lismore, which is regional New South Wales, and ask for that. So that, that'll be good. <laughs> good luck, man. Last one. It's, um, it's a running theme. It's a bit of a gag throughout the whole thing. Um, and it's also a subtle plug for me to keep putting it out there. You ready? Um, Manny. <laughs> oh, I want to hear it now. I was, I was just going to finish it. I was just going to say Ramirez, but... Uh, uh, yeah, no, weak, weak sauce, man. I don't know. Dog. I don't know what the fuck's gonna go on with that or what's happening. that? I think that's sick. <laughs> so if you don't know, JJ has literally told everyone on the podcast that yeah, he, that he has named his dog after Manny Ramirez. Oh my god! And, and so <laughs> calm down. And so he is just. He doesn't even want to watch me play. He is all on the Manny train. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Absolutely, man. He is the cat, man. I am putting it out there. I keep putting it out there because I know if I keep throwing it out, something good's going to happen. They're going to go, all right, look, someone throw this guy a bone. He's just been a real pain in the ass. Surely I'll get to at least talk to the guy. I get a, If I get a grand pick with Manny Ramirez, holy fucking shit, my life's done. I'm done. I'm good. Anyways, keep it out there. Just going to put it out there. That's all right. That's it. Well, Dude, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we've had, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, I know Mick's had a lot of fun sitting there quietly while the grown-ups talk, uh, but we, we really appreciate it. I, uh, I hope, I, I wish you guys all the best for this year. Um, I really do. Uh, and, and look, anytime you want to come back on, if you want to have, have another chat, mate, we would really appreciate it. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, is there anything that you want to plug? Obviously, we gave a little... Uh, little in segment plug there to your to your instagram is there anything else that you're you're out to flog you got a sponsor surely oh all right so it's not it's not a sure thing yet but um me and a few boys in melbourne we've got really bored during lockdown and um it's the same bunch of guys that go surfing together um and try not to drown like the same squad so basically we're we're putting together a little t-shirt brand and making all this sort of stuff so this is actually like so there's the plug so i've actually been wearing it the whole oh time, so. there it is i'll actually buy one of those in black i'll I'll, yeah. I'll just do that right now i'll just put that I'll lock right it in now. put lock a pre-order in. in yeah yeah I'll do a pre-order. Sure. yeah so i reckon we'll be launching that probably next month um and, and there's like there's a couple other things going on but yeah that's probably the most exciting thing in my life right what's now. it called what's it called again it's actually it's so it's it's on the brand it's got a y so yeah. uh, basically uh it just stands for ah yes it's just something that we used to always say a lot um, and we honestly just did it as an absolute piss take and yeah. we're like, Oh boys, let's make some t-shirts. Oh yeah. Sweet. I put a, put a selfie up in my story of like me saying like, fuck yeah, shirts here. Like, thanks man. And, or, but like 14 people DM'd me and replied to the story and were like, Oh my God, have you started a brand? Is this your thing? Like, can I get one? And I was like, Oh shit. And a few of the other boys did the same thing. They had the same reaction. So we're like, yeah i guess it is a brand now so we started just selling them so um gonna have a website and all that sort of stuff we'll do it the right way and then um yeah i'll hook you boys up get you a discount code and whatnot and then uh go from there i reckon That's stop it the only request is that the discount code is many for jeremy um, hey <laughs> there it is no i noticed that when you sat down uh for the listeners they probably don't know we're on a we're on a zoom chat and i noticed i was like oh I saw this guy sit down. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking like this dude. He's sitting there with a big shuckers on his shirt. It's a, it's a black shirt with a simple shuckers and AY on it. So I'm like, yeah, no, we're cool. This is going to be fun. And it was man. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again. So hit him up on Instagram at life of Porgy. Uh, we'll have it in the show notes and obviously keep an eye out on that for the AY Instagram. He's at Michael Gain on Instagram. I am at J A J E five, five. Fuck. I nearly fucked that up. 
Um, <laughs> thanks so much for dropping in the Players Podcast, man. Really appreciate it. No dramas, boys. Uh, keen to come back on any time. Appreciate it. Oh, my God. That was our chat with Daryl George. The dude's a stud. Living legend. You told me, you said, you're really going to like this guy. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I really liked the guy. He's, a, he's an absolute dude. What, what's there not to like about that guy? If, so much fun on the podcast. Oh, my no, God. He's like, he would be the best guy to get a beer with. Oh, please. I just had a Zoom beer with him. That was unreal. Sure. <laughs> this podcast now sponsored by Zoom Beers. Look, it was awesome. Um, I, I had so much fun. I have had fun doing this whole thing, but that was, that was cool. Um, what a cool dude. I really recommend everyone out there listening to this to go and check out his Instagram at Life of Porgie, P-O-R-G-I-E. Uh, also check out at Michael Gain on Instagram. Check out our podcast on Instagram at Players Podcast Australia, at Players Podcast Australia on Instagram. Search us on Facebook. It's super duper important that you guys go and give us a like, give us a share, get it out there. Um, we've had so much fun chatting with all these players and getting their stories out there. And, you know, like, I think it's cool. Like there's going to be a bunch of people, especially, you know, that following our page already that haven't been exposed to a guy like him. And I think like, like Daryl basically, and for them to see that, that charisma side of him and just the, his, you know, his personality, I, I'm already a fan of the dude. And I previously was like, yeah, Melbourne, whatever. You know, there's a couple of guys, obviously, Delman Young's there and this and that. Um, but now I'm like, no, nah, that, that, that guy's a dude. I want to, I want to, I'll pay a bit more attention to their game. That's great. So, and we, had, good. We, we didn't even get to chat about the Aussie team or the Prem, Premier 12 that he'd, they'd just gotten back from a little while ago. So um, we'll definitely line him up for a second episode. Yeah, definitely. And that's probably my fault because I have, uh, I've heard some of the feedback out there in the pod land. Uh, and everyone saying, just says, Jeremy, shut the fuck up. No, um, just a bit of shush from you. Thanks, Michael. No, people are just saying, you know, keep it short, keep it short, this and that. Um, that's cool. Uh, we tried to do that. But with a guy like Daryl George, we could have we chatted for three hours and I don't think it would have got boring. Uh, we would have had plenty of Zoom beers. But other than that, it would have been a lot of fun. So uh, we're trying here, but we'll definitely have him back for a second, a second podcast. And that also leads to my point of if there is anything that you guys think would be fun, hey, hit us up, send us a message. Message us on Instagram. Tell us in our, in our comments. Tell us on, on Facebook. Give us a review, all that kind of stuff. Because we, we appreciate it. We're just starting out and we really, uh, we really appreciate any of the feedback and, of course, the support that, uh, that you guys are giving us. So uh, it, it is what it is. And, and we're more than happy to listen. Uh, we want to make this just as fun for you guys listening as uh, as it is for us making it. So, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Michael? Did you want to give us uh, give us your real quick give us your random fact of your MLB fact? Have you got a little fact for us? Because now we're a hashtag fact pod. Hang yeah. on, just wait. I'm going to do a little intro for this. Ready? Awesome. That was the intro. Now, Michael, hit us with the fact. All right, the fact is I asked Jeremy how many people he thought have ever played in Major League Baseball. And Jeremy, what was your answer? I was like, oh, uh, heaps, two million. I just thought 100 years, a lot of people. It is what it is. Yeah. So fun fact for today is that it would not even fill Fenway Park. Fenway Park holds 37,000 people. And it doesn't even come close to filling it. Only 18,918 people have played Major League Baseball, which is crazy fact when you think of how long the game's been going for. 18,918 people have played in the big leagues. There you go. That's our fun fact. That's it. That's it. That's it. We, we don't have to give them. We don't have to give them a story. We just hit them with a fun fact. It's Google, man. They can. It's the age of Google. They can just look it up. They can do their own thing. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for listening, guys. Like I said, at Michael Gain on Instagram, that's him. I am at JAJE55 on Instagram, that's me. Uh, at Players Podcast Australia on both Facebook and Instagram. 
please subscribe, like our podcast, give it a listen, tell your friends, share with all the baseball community. It's uh, been a lot of fun so far. And I hope you guys really enjoyed Daryl George because I know we did. And we've got some other pretty exciting things coming up again. We keep saying that, but I tell you, going to be a lot of fun. Going to be good. Thanks, heaps, guys. See you later. Bye.